0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. With the spotlight on U.S. budget cuts, a timely book looks at the unique nature of the country's debt and the options available to avoid hitting the debt ceiling. Is U.S. government debt different? published by the Wharton Financial Institution Center as a collection of 15 articles, is co-edited by Wharton finance professor Franklin Allen, who shares some insights from the book. We're meeting today with Wharton finance professor Franklin Allen, who's also one of the editors of a new book titled, Is U.S. Government Debt Different? The book's a collection of about 15 articles, based on a conference here at the University of Pennsylvania earlier this year, or last year actually. Uh, It's great to have you back. Uh, and um, it's a pretty timely topic, uh, given recurring talk of debt ceiling and uh, forced spending cuts through sequestering and also ongoing debt crisis in Europe. Um, tell us what some of the major themes of this collection of articles were. What were some of the main ideas to come out of it?
1: Well, this book really arose as a result of the problems that we had with raising the debt ceiling back in July and August of 2011. And I think one of the things that that episode underlined was that there was very little knowledge about what would happen if they didn't raise the debt ceiling and, and how that would play out. Would there be a default, as many people were claiming? What would that mean? And so forth. So. Wharton Financial Institution Center in conjunction with the Law School decided that we should hold this conference and have a whole range of, of disciplines included and just look in general, is US government debt different? It, it certainly plays a very important role in the global economy and because of the nature of our Constitution there are a lot of issues which are, are rather different than in other countries. So we talked about the debt ceiling, but there are real issues about whether it's possible for the US to default or not. The 14th Amendment has a section which which states that the validity of the US debt shall not be questioned. And there's a real issue as to what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that we're constitutionally prohibited from defaulting or, or what? Does it mean that we can push payments into the future or what? So one of the, the main issues was what would happen if we hit the debt ceiling? And I think uh, two of the very interesting articles by legal experts were looking at that. So uh, Professor McConnell from Stanford University had a very interesting history of, of how that Clause got into the constitution and how it would be interpreted, and then um, the treasury likely react if we did hit the debt ceiling for a prolonged uh, series of time. So that was one very important part of the book, but it also has many other themes to it, which is what's the historical background, how did US debt get its special characteristics. So we start with a historical description of Alexander Hamilton and and so forth. And then also we looked at the long run problem that we have in the US in the sense that we are spending and are likely to go on spending as we get into the baby boom retirement years, much more on Social Security, but particularly Medicare and Medicaid, than we're raising in taxes. And we have to do something about that. And that's, of course, what much of the negotiations this year are going to be about. And we we start with the sequester in March 1st, and then we have a whole sequence of events. The uh, run out of spending authority for, for large parts of the federal budget in March. And then we have uh, the, the, the debt ceiling coming up again. So there are many other issues, and, and the book deals with, with many of those and give, tries to give a very broad view of the U.S. debt situation. The, the debt ceiling coming up again. So there are many other issues, and and the book deals with with many of those and give, tries to give a very broad view of the U.S. debt situation. That sounds
0: uh, very very in depth <laughs> and comprehensive. Um, a layperson outside looking in about the debt might ask a, a question such as, "Well, the U.S. is the global reserve currency. Um, we're not in any sort of monetary union." we can always print more money, not to say there aren't consequences, inflation and so forth, but to get out of a short-term jam for which you'd have to patch things up later, you can always print money and get out of it. And also um, for US investors in particular, but global investors, there what currency is there that is anywhere near as risk-free um, and also able to handle the volumes? Um, that the U.S. currency can take up for investors. So, so there's just nothing comparable. Therefore, the argument would be, everyone's always going to be buying U.S. Treasuries, aren't they? So, this is uh, one of the very interesting issues.
1: So, certainly at the moment, particularly with the problems in the Eurozone, the U.S. does have a a dominant position. Uh, The Eurozone, I I think uh, many people expect it to become uh, a much more important currency in the sense that it would perhaps rival and and maybe even overtake in terms of the foreign exchange reserves held by central banks, the US dollar. That hasn't happened because of things like the Greek default and other problems that are out there in the longer run the chinese rmb is likely to become another reserve currency in my view that's probably 10 15 maybe 20 years away but uh, at the moment certainly the us dollar is supreme and we see that with well, the s&p downgraded us because of the problems in o- july and august 2011 it really didn't affect things very much at all so I agree, now they can print money, but as your question suggested, there are problems with that. And uh, the inflationary consequences and also the redistributionary consequences of doing anything like that would be very large indeed. And it would be very problematic if we were to do that in my view.
0: And some of those ideas, I'm sure, came out at the conference?
1: Yes, and so there are a discussion of various things that we might do. Um, Professor Mooney from the law school has a very nice paper which is a very pr- provocative one and, and talks about what would be happening maybe five to ten years from now if we had a 60% inflation rate in the U.S. Would, 60%? Yes, it's very, it's very uh, pr- provocative. Okay. Um, he, he has uh, President uh, Sarah Palin in office and uh, okay. 60%. Sounds
0: like a good movie. Yes. <laughs> or a bad movie, honestly.
1: <laughs> so... As you know, what would be the options? Would we really want to have that kind of inflation rate, or would we rather go in the direction of a, some kind of negotiated default? So, the, these are issues which, at the moment, are a far far away from us. The, the debt ceiling isn't, to be clear, but the long term problems and 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 so forth um, are not. Imminent, But th- they are there, and financial have a, markets have a way of bringing the future to the present qu- rather quickly.
0: Um, you mentioned that as a provocative idea. Another provocative idea by uh, one of the contributors uh, was that to help us get out of debt, we sell off uh, the family jewels, in effect, that we, that we look at asset sales. And when you look at asset sales in the U.S., you're looking at mineral rights that that sort of energy rights um, but um, also was suggested that we sell off chunks of of one of our states Alaska which happens to be 85 percent owned by the federal government I think um, which is I guess why that would even be presented but how was that received by by the group that well, idea
1: I think uh, Jim millstein who wrote that that essay wanted to stress that we are in a a long-run situation, which is not a good one. And uh, the the starting point there is, in fact, large parts of our country, the Louisiana Purchase and the Alaska Purchase, were made by countries that had massive fiscal problems. And this was their solution to sell off large chunks. And I think he wanted among other things to underline that we do have a serious situation and we need to worry about this and as you say they are you know the notion of selling off Alaska is something that I think most people would regard with with horror and that's I think underlines that we need to do something about this It's not something that we can just push into the future like we've been doing we really need to do something now. Mineral rights are a little bit different I I think uh, that's a valid way of raising revenues. One of the very interesting things about that Article is it, it doesn't raise much money any of these strategies relative to the national debt.
0: So So it was meant to be provocative. I think it was yes <laughs> okay. um, Were there any um, particular um, strong themes that would come out as um, prescriptions for policymakers? Um, maybe new ideas that even fairly well-informed people haven't heard of yet anything new that you could say this is, these are, here's an interesting set of ideas that policymakers really should be considering that's maybe a little bit different than what's being talked about now.
1: So I think in the in the literature, there's a whole range of these ideas. So uh, I, I'm not sure that any of the ideas presented were particularly new. It was really bringing together the literatures from a very diverse set of scholars. To, to look at the problem seriously and I, I think you know the major theme a- apart from the short-run issues with the debt ceiling and the constitutional issues there are to do with this long-term problem that we have. We, we are on a course to spend more than we raise in taxes and one way or another we've got to change that and there are many ways to do that. One of the intriguing ones was comp- pairing the differences in our tax systems with those of other advanced industrialized countries and basically we are an outlier we pay less in taxes but we we need to change that if we want to keep our benefit levels where they are and the the main thing that is different is that we have a much lower proportion of GDP raised in sales taxes or VATs as they call them in in Europe, value-added taxes. And if we ever need a silver bullet, that is potentially one way we can simply solve the problem so a national sales tax a national sales tax or value added tax it 's well known how to do that they 're very effective, and we can easily raise five to ten percent of GDP and just plug the gap now of course, there are huge political problems to do there to do that, but that is and no one 's talking about that particular solution, but I think that was one of the things that was very interesting that was
0: raised in the conference. Probably go for that before selling off Alaska, don't you think? Yes, I think that that would be a much better solution. <laughs> or even part of um, So We have some national taxes now on some things, do we? On liquor, perhaps, or, are there national? Or cigarettes, perhaps? I
1: guess there is on gasoline. Uh, some syntax, oh, well, it,
0: gasoline also, yeah. yeah. So
1: there are a few, but they're not yeah. significant revenue raises. Right, we raise right. about... 45 to 5% right. of GDP, but that's mostly state sales right. taxes.
0: But, I mean, there's a precedent. It wouldn't be completely breaking new ground, in other words, to have a federal no, sales w- tax w- on something. Right. It's not it, as if that requires no, a constitutional amendment I don't or think it is. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a political issue rather than a legal issue. Okay. Around 1999 or so, not so far back, the U.S. had a relatively low debt. It was shrinking. It was shrinking so much that, um, Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan was starting to express worry that we might not have enough debt. Why, why would that be a bad thing? I guess because you need a certain amount of debt instruments to finance retirements of different sorts, whether it's social security or private retirement plans. Um, and that um, we were sort of running out of treasury bills to sell. It sounds hard to believe today because it, you know, it, it's not that long ago and our problems are so different today. How, how was that such a turnaround?
1: So in the late 90s, we had the, the uh, tech bubble in the stock market, and we had a lot of asset pricings going up dramatically. What that led to was, was big tax receipts from the capital gains tax and, and various other taxes. And so that enabled the government to pay down the debt. And they also got a lot just because the economy was booming so much. And then after the tech bubble burst, then we had problems in the sense that we weren't having this big um, excess of, of revenues over over uh, like, over expenditures. And so that problem went away rather quickly. And now we have this other problem, which can also, if you look at... Um, Projections can explode quite easily. It can also be solved. Uh, the real problem is Medicare. If you're going to guarantee people a certain level of, of, of health care and not do it in dollar terms, as, as uh, Chairman Ryan proposed in his plan, then you have got this rather open-ended liability. And, and that's the real issue, I think, which, which we need to tackle.
0: With just a couple minutes left, what other ideas um came out of the book or the conference or and what other um, ideas from that would you like to tell us about um
1: does so this i think you know the interesting one would is which we may get to this year is, is how would a a uh de- hitting of the debt ceiling work and my own reading of, of the papers on this is that we will not default i think for the administration to actually even go into technical default would cause so much in the way of legal problems and constitutional challenges that they won't do that and uh, one of the things that that the book outlines is that the various options in terms of prioritizing payments so that what we could do we will still have a lot of revenue coming in so that what we could do is prioritize the debt and so um, that, that the interest on that gets repaid. And to the extent issues are retired, that we're able to new, we go down below this debt ceiling and we are able to issue new issues to re- replace them and so on. So we would keep the debt whole. And then the question is, what else would we pay? Well, there are various technical ways that we can pay Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. So that would be uh, fairly safe for a while at least. And then I find it very difficult to believe that any government would not pay the military, so they would probably get priority too. And then the question would be, who else would be prioritized? Uh, There may be some other groups that they decided politically have to be paid. But then the suggestion in in Professor Jackson's chapter is to have first in, first out. So you would stack up all the bills as the revenue that was in excess of these prioritized ones was, um, came in, you would start paying the top of the pile. And gradually of course what would happen is you would lengthen the time period before people were paid, but eventually everybody will be paid, but it may take some time. And of course in the meantime the pressure on uh, Congress and the president will be very large to do something
0: about this. Who would be at the bottom of the heap?
1: Hopefully, congressional <laughs> <laughs> house Perfect. members in the Senate. Perfect symmetry. Okay. And, and I guess we have we have that we have that clause as part of the Republican bill okay.
0: that's passed. How interesting! Okay, so then so then we're safe. Nothing's ever <laughs> going to happen. It's good good thinking. Thank you for joining us and uh, Thank and for you. telling us about the book.
1: If anybody wants to download this book, then it's available on the Financial Institution Center website. So if you just Google Wharton Financial Institution Center, you can go there and download a PDF. If anybody would like to have a hard copy, then please just write to us, and we can mail one out to you.
0: And the downloaded copies are free?
1: The downloaded copies are free, and the hard copies are also free if anybody would
0: That's to a that. great price. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much.